The Rare Patient Advocacy Summit is the can't-miss event of the year for rare disease stakeholders. The summit is the largest gathering of rare disease patients, advocates, and thought leaders worldwide. Join Global Genes October 3rd and 4th at the Hotel Irvine in Irvine, California, to take advantage of this opportunity to connect and learn from more than 200 experts in rare disease, leading 100 educational sessions. For more information or to register, go to globalgenes.org forward slash 2018 summit. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. When Ono Faber began experiencing hearing loss in his left ear four years ago, doctors suspected an infection and prescribed steroids. His hearing loss didn't slow, and after several failed treatments, an MRI revealed a large tumor on a critical nerve. Months later, a second tumor was discovered affecting the nerve on his other ear, and he was diagnosed with the rare genetic disease neurofibromatosis type 2. A technology entrepreneur, Faber sought to apply what he learned in his career to fight his disease. He founded RDMD with a mission to accelerate rare disease drug development by creating a platform to make needed patient data available to drug developers. We spoke to Faber about his own rare disease journey, the creation of RDMD, and how his company has evolved. Oh no, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about your own rare disease journey and how you came to create RDMD and the problem RDMD is trying to solve. Let's start with you, though. You were a successful tech entrepreneur who became plunged in the world of rare disease in a very personal way when you were diagnosed with neurofibromatosis. What happened? Uh, yeah, so I, um, I indeed have been in internet and in tech for about 20 years. I, I grew up in the Netherlands. And um, about four years ago, I moved from Europe to San Francisco uh, with uh, another tech company I started over over there. Um, and like that same year, I started losing my hearing on the left side uh, gradually. And um, I've been di- diagnosed with many different things uh, along the way. But at some point, they uh, did an MRI scan and they found a, a tumor on the hearing nerve. So that was that was the reason for my uh, hearing loss. And a few months after that, they uh, found another tumor on the other hearing nerve and one in my spine. And that is when I got diagnosed with NF2. So that that changes a few things, right? Like like oh, <laughs> I uh, I found that uh, patients with uh, with NF2 they can lose their uh, hearing, they can uh, lose uh, their eyesight, their facial paralysis or general paralysis because of spinal tumors. And uh, yeah, you all, all of a sudden you realize uh, how vulnerable life is. This is a condition many of our listeners may not be familiar with. Can you explain what neurofibromatosis is, how the disease progresses, and 
What's the prognosis for someone with this diagnosis? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, varies uh, quite a bit among different patients. Uh, there are also different types of neurofibromatosis. Uh, the most common type is NF1, neurofibromatosis type 1, uh, that I think affects about 1 in 3,000 people. So it's still a rare disease, but it's on the larger uh, side. Then NF2, which is what I have, uh, affects like 1 in 30,000. And uh, there is also schwannomatosis, which is another form uh, affecting, you know, a little bit less than uh, NF2. So it's um, the prognosis varies a lot. Like generally, uh, people start like losing uh, with NF2 specifically losing functions because the the tumors are benign. Uh, so generally, they are not life-threatening uh, for most people, uh, but they compromise the nerves that they grow on, and those are like neurological nerves, for example, the hearing nerves, um, most commonly. So, uh, yeah, people just like slowly uh, lose uh, lose functions. Uh, of course, the disease can also create complications in the future, Um but, uh, but that is the, the most the most common issue. And are there treatments available for this? Um, there are some off-label treatments that patients receive, but uh, there is no FDA-approved treatment for them yet. And the treatments are also, uh, they can help, like, the off-label treatments can help, like, prolong uh, the functions, so for example, prolong the hearing, um, you know, kind of buy you time, uh, but none of them uh, actually resolves the the issue for uh, for the long term. Common treatment is actually uh, probably surgery, <laughs> um, but uh, the, the problem with the surgery is that it it compromises the the function of the nerve as well. So uh, surgery usually uh, is done really to prevent uh, other things from to prevent complications from happening because of the tumors. Readers of Rare Deli may remember a recent column where we discussed a rare disease hackathon organized by the nonprofit group Silicon Valley AI. That was the second hackathon the organization did around rare disease. You were the subject of the first hackathon. What happened at the hackathon you participated in? Yeah, so when we started um, with the first hackathon, uh, I, uh, along the way, had uh, too much surgery um uh, the, the tumor where it all started with for me, that was in October 15. Um, being in the Bay Area, like, uh, I had friends here who were working in genetics, uh, and we managed to sequence the tumor, do whole genome sequencing on it, um, and found some, some interesting, potentially interesting, uh, uh, other mutations like next to the NF2 uh, mutation that I had that could indicate uh, maybe like good uh, off-label therapies. Uh, so it's, it's highly explorative, of course. Uh, but hey, that's what you that's what you do when you're in uh, when you're in Silicon Valley, right? Um, so uh, at some point, um, yeah, we came together, uh, you know, with the SVAI uh, group and. Um, we thought it would be really cool to see what other people could do with the data. Um, and that's how the kind of hackathon started. Um, many people got involved, like a lot of volunteers uh, helping organizing it. 
um, you know, hundreds of people um, came in the weekend to participate. Uh, Google sponsored it. Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing, uh, an amazing experience. It's, uh, see, like. Funny presentations uh, about your own uh, genomic data, and people really making uh, making an effort to find something uh, find something useful there. Uh, all the presentations are also um, uh, available, so people can kind of pick up uh, the initial work and ideas. Um, Additionally, what I thought was really cool is that it, there were not only um, kind of computer uh, scientists and people with an AI experience, but also there were uh, there were other scientists there too, uh, including uh, one scientist that specifically works uh, on NF2 research, and they could like tell uh, the group like the, the problem like in the in the genetic mutations, and I, I thought that was really one of the most inspiring things about it. It's just uh, the, the amount of people that come together uh, multi for multidisciplinary teams and go after um, go after this problem together like offering up their free uh, their otherwise free weekend <laughs> um, so that that was that was really uh, inspiring that's how it came together the hackathon as I understand it led to the launch of your company RDMD what is RDMD and, and how did it come about um, yeah so the, during the hackathon, the, one of the limitations that we had was that we only had my data. <laughs> uh, it's a very obvious uh, problem. It's not easy uh, to to get this type uh, of information uh, for people to look at. So that's kind of how uh, my journey started. Uh, I was thinking, uh, why is it so hard um, to uh, to get good Good data together, so you can actually do the research on it. Um, and along the way, like found that um, yeah, this is a really difficult problem in rare disease in general. Um, and it's not only about genetic data; it's also clinical data. Like, how does the disease progress uh, naturally? What are people um, taking off label, and how does that impact um, you know their their clinical care path? Um, uh, you know, for uh, for for researchers, uh, of course, it would be great if we can build a uh, a more centralized data set with international patients. Um, patients with rare disease are also quite often pretty spread out. Um, they're usually like depending on the size of the disease of the disease itself, but uh, not every patient is connected to the top uh, facility like that specializes in their disease, uh, either because they don't have the insurance or because they live too far away and it's logistically very difficult. Um, so, yeah, we, we were like, wow, like, there are so many things um, that can be massively improved if we uh, help patients to get this data together um, and kind of uh, create a resource that uh, you can reuse for many different uh, use cases. When you think about the challenges of drug development in the rare disease space, what is the problem you're trying to address? So, in, yeah, like in drug development, uh, specifically, like, I mean, rare disease is a long-term problem, like probably most of the 
listeners are aware of that, that there are 7,000 rare diseases, it affects 1 in 10 people, uh, but the problem is they're all different and uh, they're all quite small, so you, you always have to work with limited resources. Uh, so one of the one of the problems uh, we are trying to solve is make it more easy um, to build a more centralized resource because uh, we work directly with patients, we work also with foundations, we can work with multiple uh, organizations together to build a centralized uh, data set, and that in itself um, makes the disease more interesting for the industry to pick up as well. Uh, because you can do, for example, um, your clinical trial design, you can uh, use it for uh, better patient recruitment, you can use the data for natural history studies. Um, so um, you kind of make, as we like to say, we make fertile ground for drug disease treatment development. Um, because even when you do have the science, of course the science is really important, you need uh you need a way to go after the disease, otherwise you you can't kind of you cannot bring anything to market that doesn't exist. <laughs> but then there is still a big process of, of course, proving um, that the treatment is actually working, so you can bring it to the market and insurance can uh, cover uh, the cost of the treatment. So that whole process is very risky, and uh, unfortunately. Um, most of these efforts fail, sometimes because it just doesn't work, uh, but also sometimes because um, because of reasons that could have been prevented if you if you would have uh, those resources available uh, from the start. I think of RDMD as as building a platform intended to accelerate drug development. How does it work? Do you solicit individual patients to submit data? Are you trying to get registries or disease organizations to submit data en masse? Uh, yeah, so we, we started, of course, with uh, neurofibromatosis, but um, to build a platform like this, you have to be able to, it has to be able to be replicated um, among many rare diseases so you can actually share those resources uh, across the board. Um, one thing that that I saw is really important is every rare disease is different and has its own different needs. Um, so we design our platform in a way that we can um, tailor the whole product to the uh, needs of that sp- uh, particular rare disease. And the way it works is um, we, you know, we we work with actually patients, we work with foundations, but we also work with the doctors and the researchers. Um, to make sure that you know the, the product and the platform uh, works for that particular disease, and then patients they can sign up directly. Once we have done that, uh, patients sign up directly uh, with us, and then we help them um, to get their, their medical records um, on our platform, so they can from there on manage those records themselves. Um, they fully own and control that information Um, and at the same time we have the patients to consent that data for research so as a whole the more patients do it uh, we can create this de-identified source of information that we can um, you know power new research with so um, another thing it depends a bit on the disease area what we are focused on directly but we also are able to 
when like studies uh, with patient reported outcomes so, such as like registries or uh, daily studies um, that track certain symptoms uh, that can later be used for uh, for example validating if a drug works like important biomarkers um, and of course we try to not only get the data in but also use the data to give patients insights uh, so they can use that to make better decisions in their care paths, for example. So it's it's really the two sides. That's also where the name comes from, like research doctor, medical doctor. Where we try to um, uh, like keep our eyes on the prize and like, okay, ultimately we want this platform to accelerate um, treatments that are available for patients. But we also, in the meantime, want to see if how we can improve. Uh, patients' uh, care path and clinical decisions, so helping them manage their own uh, their own record, and uh, they can send that record, for example, to another doctor that they want to talk to for a second opinion. Uh, that's that's one of the use cases, uh, but also uh, the information that's structured out of the records, we can create uh, reporting for them. Uh, for example, in NF2. Um, one might have a lot of different hearing tests over time. Uh, when we have that information and we structure the, all the hearing tests, we can ge- uh, generate a report, a one single report, where you can see your, your hearing over a longer period of time. And, for example, you can bring that data to your next doctor visit, and that will help the doctor to assess uh, what, what's the next step in, in your treatment. What's the business model here who's the customer and how do you derive revenue yeah that's that's uh, another of course that's the, the key question um we wanted to align i mean i think to, to for this to be successful and actually help uh the patients in the long term you have to align your business model with what, what patients uh want most and as a patient you know i want uh of course, a treatment <laughs> that I can get, like that, that went all the way through. So we try to align our business model with that. So in the long term, uh, we hope to work with the pharmaceutical companies that need the resource um, to kind of prove their, their treatment and uh, bring it to the market. So we hope to uh, bring a lot of value to them because it de-risks and accelerates um, their, uh, that path to, to bring the, the drug to the market. Um, the other thing is, like, uh, this might not work for, uh, for all diseases, like some, some diseases we work on, you know, you might, there might never be, um, you know, a pharma company we can work with, or maybe the actual treatment is, um, you know, aspirin or something like that. <laughs> and uh, there, there is no business model from it, but that still would be really good news. But because we work on multiple rare diseases, we can kind of spread uh, the investments out and maybe one disease can generates enough revenue to power uh, the investments in the other uh, diseases as well. You've had some early successes. You've raised a round of funding, signed up patients and have a collaboration with researchers at the National Cancer Institute. Where are you in terms of your progress, and what are some of your near-term goals? Yeah, there's, a, there's of course, a lot, <laughs> a lot to do. Um, 
we 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 are currently hiring more engineers like as because we have the the funding secured like we can expand the team and um which is really great news for us um because it was a um we we have a lot a lot to do uh, on our on our roadmap um so we are going to um continue developing the product and we are also working on starting a few new uh initiatives in few other rare diseases. Um I can't tell you yet which ones, but um yeah we are pretty soon we are going to uh, launch a few other diseases as well next to neurofibromatosis. And um obviously get more patients in, uh, structure more data, uh, get more research projects going, um do more of it. Like we want to be at a point where we can um invest in new diseases uh, even before there is anything out there like any pharma program out there. So really bootstrapping uh, new groups of people. Um, we're also looking forward to uh, one of the things that I think is really uh, inspiring to me is to bring um, organizations and foundations uh, in and um, work with them and power their organizations uh, as well with the platform. So this is this is something uh, we're also working on really hard and uh, hopefully uh, launching something at some point that uh, that, that should help um, foundations carry out their mission. Is there some proof of concept you're working towards or some critical mass you think you need to attain? Um, for the new disease areas, yeah, ultimately... Uh, we hope that the platform will significantly reduce the costs of doing this effort. I think that's, that is really key. Um, currently, the, uh, in, in, if you look at like the pharmaceutical side of things and the different phases of, of clinical trials, uh, a, a drug goes through, um, usually Companies can only invest in this type of data after they hit certain milestones. Uh, but that means you would have to wait uh, for that data to come in. It can take a long time. It's very risky. Um, so being able to do that up front and proactively, I think, is really key into in terms of accelerating this, this process. So for this, we would need... Um, to prove that our, our platform significantly drives down the costs of, of doing this. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's something we are building a lot of products for. And, um, that, that's, that's, uh, one of the milestones we have is to drive down those costs. Ono Faber, founder of RDMD. Ono, thanks so much for your time today. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and
are performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. <laughs>